Hi, I'm John Sherman from New York. I had a question. It obviously sounds like you think very highly of Abraham Lincoln. In light of uh, the news this year with President Clinton, do you think the, uh, the presidential office is still as sacred and, uh, you know, does it compare to what Lincoln did while he was in office? You obviously think a lot of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, what do you think of the presidency now? The presidency will survive almost anything. <laughs> It survived U.S. Grant, survived Harding, survived Nixon, even survived Coolidge. So uh, don't worry about the office crumpling under any kind of thing. All it takes is a really good man to come along, as Abraham Lincoln did, for instance, or Franklin Roosevelt. And uh, every, everything will be bright, shiny new again. Hi, I'm Andrea Peterson, and I'm from Williamsburg, Virginia. And um, this is kind of a huge question. It would probably take more than the time you have to answer. But I was wondering what you feel is the most important thing that um, we, as the people of America, could learn from the Civil War. What do you think is the most important thing the people of America could learn from the Civil War? The important thing they'd have to learn is something people do not learn. We think we are an infinitely superior people. Of all the people on the face of the earth, surely the Americans are the superior people, we think. If we were anything like as superior as we claim to be, we'd never fought that war. That, that, uh, the whole nation was founded on the principle of compromise. Came time to really test our compromise, and we killed each other by the, by the hundreds of thousands. Uh, and that would be the lesson we could learn if it were learnable. It really doesn't seem to be. I think I can safely say we're not going to have another civil war, but we do continue to get in wars of all kinds that perhaps could be avoided. Uh, I'm glad that some of them were not avoided. Uh, my war uh, was the Second World War. I, I was in Patton's army. Uh, he was not the hero to us that he is to many of you, but that, that's as it may be. Uh, uh, and, and that war, we, we, we believed in what our nation was engaged in doing, stopping Hitler. Uh, he was a gift out of heaven if what you want is patriotism in a war. But uh, it's now being called uh, the good war. We didn't, call it, we, we didn't call it that. We called it this damn war. <laughs> And it's, uh, it's funny how things get glozed over and brushed up, but in the eyes of history, it was indeed a good war since the right people won and the worst people lost. Mm -hmm. Hello, sir. Uh, you mentioned you know, Lincoln and FDR as being really great presidents. And I was just wondering, both of them, you know, led this country through some really dark periods. Are you a firm believer that history makes men? I mean, do you think any president during a time of peace, you know, just like a maintainer of the country, could they ever live up to their level? That, that, that is a thing that has interested people forever. Does the man make the times or does times make the man? Uh, I, I'm convinced that it's both of them. Uh, 
you could not turn, say, Calvin Coolidge into Franklin Roosevelt. But if Coolidge had faced some particularly difficult problems, uh, he might have been remembered as a much better president than he is remembered as. Uh, I'm inclined to think that there's a good deal in the luck of the draw about what's going on while a man is president. Uh, going way back from president, uh, if it hadn't been for the Civil War, U.S. Grant would have been working in a tanning, his daddy's tanning shop in Illinois. Uh, if it hadn't been for the Civil War, Bedford Forest would still be an, would have continued to be an alderman in the city of Memphis. Uh, so the great events do seem to rise, raise up great men, but uh, it'd be very hard to say uh, which gets the most credit, the man who seized the opportunity and made the most of it, or the opportunity that seized the man and made the most of him. Uh, that's not a question I think we really can answer. It's an interesting speculation, though. One more. Go ahead. Um, my name's Chris Kanakri. I'm from Burke, Virginia. Uh, I was wondering, do you still consider Lincoln a good president, even though he trampled upon civil liberties and well exceeded his uh, power as president and acted almost like a tyrant in the events immediately preceding and into the Civil War? Do you still consider Lincoln a good president? He trampled on many civil liberties. He is, without a question, I don't know anybody who differs with me on this, the very greatest of our presidents. Uh, I'm firmly convinced of that. Uh, it, it, it's true that the, he faced the greatest trial and therefore made the greatest glory by being able to handle it. But he was more than that. Lincoln is an almost unbelievable creature. Uh, he is a very strange man in many ways. He had qualities to him that ordinary mortals don't have, he could stand outside himself, look at himself, and analyze himself. This is very strange. He's a man who, uh, before there were any publicists, uh, he's already six feet four, so he puts another six or eight inches on top of his head with a hat. He doesn't wear an overcoat because it would look kind of crazy. He puts a shawl around his shoulders. He's supposed to have written his speeches on the back of envelopes, which isn't true, but got to be known was. For diversion, he went into the public by going to the theater. That was his favorite diversion, where he could see and be seen. Uh, Lincoln will take any amount of analysis you want to devote to him, and you always wind up with uh, not only admiration, but uh, an incredulity that such a person could ever have had so many talents. And above all, he is one hell of a writer. He's knocking at the door of Mark Twain or any other American writer you know. to uphold the uh, Constitution. That it wasn't that his foremost duty as president, and he completely destroyed a lot of, with the suspension of habeas corpus and uh, imprisonment without, just imprisonment of all his uh, political enemies. And uh, isn't, does the ends justify the means in, in that case? Upheld the Constitution as his foremost responsibilities instead of violating habeas corpus and other constitutional he claimed he did uphold the Constitution, but he said that the Constitution was flexible enough to be used in certain ways during certain crises. Uh, he believed, for instance, that he could break a rule by giving the governor of Indiana money before Congress ever reassembled, really giving him very large amounts of money to raise troops with. He claimed that uh, 
in an emergency, there's room enough around the Constitution to move uh, decisively. He claimed uh, uh, the suspension of habeas corpus was necessary to protect the country. Habeas corpus exists for that purpose, and he used it. Uh, there was a lot of criticism. Jefferson Davis used it a couple of times. He, he excoriated Lincoln for using it, then had to do it himself. But there are many things Lincoln did. Uh, for instance, the secession of West Virginia from Virginia was criticized. If he's against secession, how does he, how does he let West Virginia become a state so he can get the electoral votes? Uh, Lincoln's answer to that was secession for the Union is, is not secession against the Union. Uh, he's, when I said he was slippery, I wasn't joking. But he, uh, he, he always was on the mark. He knew what he was doing. He knew how much pressure to apply before the thing broke. He had to deal with uh, abolitionists on this side, pro-slavery people on that side. In his home state of Illinois, they passed a law immediately after the Emancipation Proclamation that no black man could cross the borders of Illinois. He had these people to deal with, and these people who were screaming he's not doing enough on the other hand, and he had to play them against each other and take all the licks in the middle from both of them at times. Uh, and for him to be able to function with all that is almost incredible, a clue as to how hard it was. Lincoln's one of the most photographed presidents we ever had. There are perhaps 30 photographs of Lincoln, and you watch him. He, he ages at about the rate of two or three years every six months. Those photographs move all the way from uh, practically a young man, and mind you, he was one of our younger presidents, to a man who looks 10 years older than his actual age by the time he goes out of office. His last picture is the only one where there's a trace of a smile. He's gotten the news of Appomattox in the last the last picture was taken right after he got that news, and there is a, just a trace of a smile on his face. And it's hard to, the camera, you had to hold absolutely still for about 10 or 12 seconds. You had a clamp on the back of your head most of the time. That's the reason those men look so stern and even old. They're great portraits, though. They, they ought to try doing that again. I think that's all the time. Good. I've enjoyed being with you.